Hey everyone, this is Kate and Catherine of Free Cookies, and you are about to listen to Free Cookies. And we want to take a moment to ask that if this is a show that you enjoy, if it makes you think different thoughts or makes you smile or brings any sort of enjoyment to your day, we wanted to let you know that we do, for many reasons, try to keep the podcast ad-free, but that we are on Patreon.com. Yes, Patreon.com forward slash free cookies. And if you would like to support us in any monetary value whatsoever, you can add your donation there, which would technically make this show called Paid Cookies. But paid cookies will lead to the freedom of content within supported cookies your cookies i want to rename this show supported cookies so hit us up support us there if you can if not that's totally fine that's cool now you can listen for free free cookies or not free free cookies or paid cookies now it's really up to you I'm Catherine Beauty. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a podcast that is <laughs> the wrong description. Why can't, I mean, how many times have we done this podcast and I still can't say the description? This is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious And I would just like to point out, it's not like Kate knows the tagline better. I that do. is legit. She just read that off of her Instagram page. Yeah, but, huh. but I could have done it. Could you do it again yeah. right now? A humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. I guess it's not entirely fair considering you read it 10 seconds ago, but. Wow. So you asked me to do something. I fucking killed it. And then I slammed you. And then you slammed me anyway. So what was the point of killing it? Marriage. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You want to tell the people who are on the show today? Uh, The people who are on the show today are two very special humans that are on the show today. Yes. And it's a special episode because it's just me interviewing them. Mm, Riding solo. Riding solo. Could not be there. That's like a rap song I think I'm vaguely referencing. I think what you're trying to do is roll in with my homies. No, I was doing riding solo. I'll I'll Google it. Riding dirty. See, producer Lindsay coming in. She's like, you white people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Wait a second. So on one hand, I absolutely slayed the podcast description, but then I just shit the bed and couldn't even do writing dirty. I did writing solo. I just can't. And I right pluralized now. your experience. I, I said, no, you're writing with your homies. No, I can't. I got. I want to start over so bad, but I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna plug ahead. All right, you know. I so the people who have nothing to do with <laughs> our ineptability to place rap lyrics or anything along those lines are Dr. Will Cole and Seamus Mullen, the two hosts of the new Goop podcast, Goop Fellas. The fellas from Goop, and they are coming on not to talk fella stuff. But to talk... What would fella stuff be? I don't know. We really broed it out, is what happened. Okay. This interview is all about the broing. And the reason I was singing Riding Dirty... Why was that, Kate? Because Tell you the people. were riding solo on this interview. And anyway, we don't need to relive that part, but <laughs> you, do, you do interview them solo. And as is, I've come... To point out, not because Kate didn't want to be part of the interview. It's not like, oh, no, I will not bro it out with you i don't do goop fellas i only do goop ladies <laughs> and a, a pause 
for that moment. Let's get into, we, we will get to the Goop fellas later, but we, there are a couple things off the top of the show. And your interview, I think, is about 40 minutes. We're going to let that thing sing. Kate gets really worried that we're going to talk too much on the episode because we have to wrap this up. So we can't talk about too much. Kate, what are we going to talk about? I just like to keep the trains running. I like to keep things running smoothly through the free cookies forest of train tracks. We got a couple things off the top. We wanted to actually share a couple things that we were doing lately. One is this badass new course that you developed for Glow called Block Party. True. Although you can't, it's not Google on Glow. You can't search. Well, that just seems so boring compared to a verbiage like Google. Like what's the equivalent if you're going to Google something on Yoga Glow? Search. Oh, my God. Anyway, so you can't search Block Party on Glow. You have to type in the names of the classes. But the whole conceit was that it's a block party, like a summer block party where you go get your grill on with all your friends. And I established these classes as a way to try to bring everybody together. So the first one's called Sun's Out, Buns Out. And then yeah. the next one's Up in My Grill. And then the next one's called Now We're Cooking. And yeah. then the fourth one, I don't and now you're and, and you're and you merged directly into wifey Kate territory by making these yoga classes not just strictly asana based. Oh my god, I'm like a yogi, but also incorporating yeah. some like cross training, some yeah, and it's that, accumulation of all the modalities yeah. of movement that have interested me throughout my. There's like a 10 minute Peloton section at the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, but my favorite thing and and for for those of our listeners who do yoga or even like, like doing classes at home. It's really, it's a, it's cool to try. It's especially fun for me because we put the little computer up of you in our guest room. So we have two mats out and then the computer and then you're next to me, but you're also teaching the class on the computer. And almost every time when you say something funny or cute, I kind of like glance over at you and you kind of look at me like a little sheepishly <laughs> and you're like, was that funny? And then I have to reassure you that it was indeed funny, but sometimes you're teaching a class and the class on the computer is not in the business of laughing. You should have a group of type A's. And so you need extra reassurance offline in the room with me. And it's just this wonderful meta experience for me. I had a very sturdy group. It was a weird experience for me taking my own class because I would finish the sequence, sit down, and I have this thing where I really like to snap my yoga pants and readjust them because you know how like yoga pants move while you're moving and then like your upper belly fat kind of starts to stick out a little bit and oh, you're I like know. hey buddies why don't you get back in your home and then you readjust your pants to go Plural, over that buddies yes buddies it's it's my pepe le pews pepe pepe, pepe le pooches um and so i like will snap my pants and readjust it and as i am in you know current catherine real catherine am i the real catherine evidently i'm the catherine that i am right now are you the catherine in the computer or are you the catherine on the mat next to the computer and then the catherine computer catherine will be like and adjust your pants i'm like holy fuck get out of my head but it's me. But it's you. So it's like it's not. There's a like there's a separate teacher who's in your head and knows you really well. It turns out I know you. myself really oh, well. Wow. Okay. And then the second thing we're into lately is pandas. It, <laughs> I, I will clarify what Kate's trying to say <laughs> for the listeners. We have a wicked smart brother-in-law. Yeah. And he developed this app, this game app called Pandemonium. Pandemonium. And it's kind of, I, I mean, we're kind of liars because it's kind of like a cross between like a Candy Crush. Tetris. And we've never played Candy Crush. So I've we're, played Tetris, though. We're really shit in the bed with this elevator pitch. But it's super cute. It's like these unbelievable illustrations. And it is hard. This isn't like, oh, I'm going to turn off my brain and play a game. This is you better turn on your puzzle brain. And you need to be prepared to play a level up to 
I'm not gonna lie, I've probably played certain levels at least 50 times. I just got my screen time notification on my iPhone this morning, and I launched it, and I, th- I thought I knew what I would see, and then it was confirmed. The number one thing I've done on my this phone over the last week is Pandemonium. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, like, cool with that. It's better than being on, like, Instagram. I, th- I think doing a game is definitely a step up from being on the social and media. And we want to have Mike. Mike is my bro- our brother-in-law. Our brother-in-law. Um, who, four years ago, quit his job as a teacher and decided he wanted to develop a game app. And you can imagine, like, my sister, she was like, yeah, they have two kids. That's definitely what you should do. <laughs> but she was totally cool with it. And Mike has even said, like, I have the coolest wife ever because... She's just let him do his thing. And so he spent four years developing Pandemonium. And it just was introduced to the world like a week ago. Although so, not on Android, it's only on Apple. And more important than that, our screen names, it's Kate F. and Angela B. Don't ask questions. My name is Angela B. Just deal with it. And if you want to try to beat our score, you should. And You, you log in. You, you, you can come fail at me. miserably. Because if you beat one of my scores, I will then go back and play the level again. And I will do this in like a loop. And her screen time will go up and up, up and up and up. All right. Should we uh, talk introduce? Talk the healthy things? Let's talk the healthy things. All right. Bring it on. So Dr. Will Cole is a leading functional medicine expert who consults people around the world via webcam and locally in Pittsburgh. He was also named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert and course instructor for the world's largest wellness brands such as Mind Body Green and Goop, where he now has his podcast with Seamus Mullen. Also, Will is the author of Ketotarian and the upcoming book, The Inflammation, Inflammation, Inflammation Spectrum. Speaking of Seamus. This content is gold, bitch. His co-host, Seamus Mullen, is an award-winning New York chef, restaurateur, and cook book author known for his inventive yet approachable Spanish cuisine and he is also a leading authority on health and wellness. Seamus he has this restaurant Tertulia I gotta get my Spanish pronunciation going. He also opened El Colomando, a Spanish tapas and wine bar in Gotham West Market that was a food hall in New York's Hell's Kitchen. I mean dude is busy. He was one of the three finalists on the Food Network's The Next Iron Chef. He has been featured on Chopped, Beat Bobby Flay, The Martha Stewart Show, CBS, basically anywhere where food is featured. Um, He's also the cookbook author of Hero Food and Real Food Heals, and he's an avid cyclist and has a lot of really good tattoos. So let's bring them Bring them on! Hello, boys. How are you doing? My friend. (laughs) This is my dream scenario. It's just (laughs) me and Will Cole and Seamus Mullen. And Kate is stuck in an airport somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Poor Kate. Uh, Yeah, poor Kate. Lucky me. Let's let's all just take a moment and and thank her for trying to get here. Thank her for trying to get here and thank her for giving me both of my boys at once. Yes. or fellas. I guess I should be calling you fellas. fellas. That's right. Because you are officially, uh, do we just call you goop fellas now? We don't call you by your proper name anymore? Is no. that how you like yeah, to be a, addressed? That's, that's actually, it's funny because I was, I, was um, I was at Goop HQ the other day and Gwyneth walks by. She's like, hey, goop fella. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> like, okay, I guess that's what, those are our names now. We even have no, t-shirts. I, we yeah. even have shirts. Why don't I have a 
a t-shirt. I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I need I need a goop fella shirt. But okay, so I, I, the it's goop. Okay, Gwyneth Paltrow, you already mentioned Queen Bee. And I, I'm curious, as two men, what it's like for you working for, you know, the Oprah of the wellness world um, in a predominantly female-oriented brand. You know, is this... Goop fellas, is this something that men were like, we need goop in our lives? Or did you come in because you were hoping to, to bring bring the men? I mean, I think it's a little of both. You know, there there's definitely um, more guys who are, are, are taking the time to take a look at their health and to be concerned about their health. Because generally, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but generally speaking, the first sign of a heart attack for most men is a heart attack. We are not good <laughs> at taking care of ourselves. Um, so there's 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 a bit of a change, and I think women have been great about leading this, and guys are starting to fall in line. But we also we want to pour some gasoline on the fire and hopefully um, help sh- share stories that that uh, that open up the conversation and make it okay for guys to one. Uh, understand and express and be comfortable with their vulnerability. Um, one of the things we were just talking about with our last guest is is um, is is how you know within the masculine there is the feminine, within the feminine there is the masculine, and it's something that I think a lot of guys in the alpha male archetype have um, been trained to suppress and to crush and to be scared of. And so we want to create an environment which um, in which it's okay and not only okay but celebrated to uh, understand and, and believe in that vulnerability. So, I mean, I'm, I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to talk about a lot of these, these subjects and to do it with, with such a great co-host with, with Will. I mean, we're both in our own way. We're kind of snags, sensitive new age guys, a little bit of woo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Did you say snags? Yeah. Do you remember that term? Uh, no, I need you to Dude, define like what my a fa- snag is. Snag, <laughs> sensitive new age guy. We need that sensitive on a new age guy. Oh wow, a snack. <laughs> yeah, you walk around with crystals and you beat drums. Yeah. I can't believe you just dropped that. Like everyone knew what that was. Like, no, we're, just, we're just two snags hanging out. <laughs> I don't think I'm. I'm like pretty sure I didn't make that up. I remember this from the '90s. So right. we're br- we're bringing it back. Yeah, the snags are oh, back. Oh my gosh, snagalicious! I yeah. love it and. Well, and so are, do you think that the podcast is geared towards, Seamus, like you said, more of the kind of alpha male and helping them find sensitivity and wellness? Or is this, like, is there a spectrum of men? Is this for anyone who identifies as male? Or do you think they're already, you know, listening to Elise and Gwyneth on Goop? I think that men are growing. I see this clinically just with patients. More and more guys are waking up to the fact that how we do life is unsustainable. And I see more and more men waking up to the fact that they need to recalibrate their life. They need to start asking questions. They need to, to start doing something different to see something different. So I think that Goopfellas is an extension of this conversation, this sort of global awakening in a way amongst men that are, now we're going to call ourselves snags, but that are aware of <laughs> <laughs> that this, we're at a precipice of our culture and <laughs> We're a part of this conversation. Yeah, we you know we have a lot of great guests on the podcast, and a lot a lot of the guests are are um, are dudes that I feel like more typical uh, alpha males, if you will, can relate to. We have a lot of professional athletes. We've got guys that that are um, really open to, and not only guys. We obviously have amazing women, including the Catherine Budig. Oh, um, hey. Yeah, hey, what's up? <laughs> 
little, little, I'm going to have to come up with a cute acronym yeah, for myself yeah, by the exactly. end of the show. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I would like to help convey through the podcast, and I hopefully we're doing this, is that um, to, to be, going back to that term of vulnerability, but to, to be vulnerable, to care about your health, these are, these are actually very masculine. And in the definition of like the idea of being a provider and being an alpha male, they're essential to be a, to, to, for longevity to be a provider. So mm-hmm. if, if we really are, you know, bouncing off of that springboard of the, the, again, to use the term archetype of the alpha male, um, it, it's very masculine to to address your health and to address your emotional well-being mm-hmm. um, and and to acknowledge your vulnerability and find strength in that because that ultimately is what enables us to be powerful and to be healthy and to be providers mm-hmm. for a longer you know a longer life absolutely and when you are having these interviews, obviously the only one that I can really bank off is the one that I did with you both, which may or may not be out by the time this drops um, when you interview your guests are you asking them in the mind of the male like hoping that your listeners are going to be predominantly male or is this really a podcast for humans it's just for humans it's for it's humans coming from a guy's perspective and having a conversation Mm -hmm. with men and women and whoever about transformation and life and what brought them to where they're at today so it's just cool conversations coming from a guy's perspective it's a it's a podcast for dogs and cats and their people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. The dogs and cats. Ashi is going to be an avid avid good. listener. Subscribe. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Give a two paws up. No, I really I can't let her give a review. She has a potty mouth. She's a little <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Pretty sure Apple wouldn't approve that one at all. Uh. <laughs> um, were there? Can you walk me through the different iterations of the name of your podcast? Like, did you know right away it was going to be Goop Fellows? No. Was it going to be Goop Snags to make the cut? Yeah, that <laughs> Goop Snags didn't. That make was the cut. our that was our first choice, but they yeah. didn't want it. No, we didn't know when it first started it was going to be Goop Fellows, but we had a list, and that was the one that resonated with us the most. So we thought it was a good vibe to go off of, and it summarized the fact that we're with Goop, but we're doing it with a different perspective. And I also can repeat nearly every line of the word Goodfellas. Oh, hey, well, there you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> I the guys like Tony two times instead of everything twice. Like, I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. Damn, for example. <laughs> for instance. Get you out of the kitchen. Let's get you on film. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I said before, I have a great face for radio. Oh, my God. Hardly. Um, well, okay, so everyone, this is up. It's live. People can tune into it now. I believe you already have about four or five episodes that are live. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think we, we're dropping every Wednesday, so we have a new episode coming out tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah, every Wednesday. I think we're, uh, that's going to be episode six, maybe? Yeah, so every Wednesday they have a new conversation to check out. Do you have a dream guest? Oh, my uh, God, we have so many. Yeah, yeah, mine is Barack Obama. Oh, dude, you just... Oh, okay. okay. Oh so mine, mine is Michelle Obama. <laughs> but he is. <laughs> they talk about transformation, and I just thought... I think it would be a cool... Yeah. Cool Don't yeah. you think you and Gwyneth would probably argue who's going to get Barack on yeah. which podcast, if that was the case? Yeah. I, I mean, think I think you could take Gwyneth down. Don't tell her. I think I would lose that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd probably, no, but. probably lose that. No, yeah, definitely okay, Barack so, Obama. Um, and then shame. Oh, is, so is that the, 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 the agreement for both of you? Barack the consensus? is numero uno. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be great. I mean, 
there, there, there are so many people. I, I, most of them, unfortunately, are dead. But there's so many people I'd like to have on the podcast. But yeah, I yeah. mean, um, you know, it would be incredible to have Barack Obama. So okay, so shifting gears away from your podcast, I obviously you are both seeped in wellness, and especially when it comes to food and culinary. And um, I, I definitely want to poke you both a little bit on this interview. So I'll warn mm-hmm. you now, but. Let's start with just a nice, clean, easy question. So for both Will and Seamus, can you both describe your own individual food ethos? Mm-hmm. Mine is the ethos is that you cannot heal a body you hate. And that sustainable wellness, mm. sustainable wellness is born out of a value for the gifts that you have and the body you have and the life that you have. And you can only do a fad diet or a restrictive plan for a couple of weeks, but what's the ethos? What's the why? But when you realize how awesome, what an awesome creation you are from that flow of sustainable wellness, that's my ethos. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I would say um, love food that loves you back. Mm. I like that. So, but what if, what if I, what if pizza loves me so hard? Like <laughs> extra gooey, cheesy, um, extra sodium, you know, like that really delicious high sodium kind. <laughs> yeah, like a, a New York slice. Well, sometimes yes. that's probably just the medicine you need. I mean, I, I, I don't think mm. it's, I don't think it's really the 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 foundation of a healthy relationship with food, but it may be like a a strategic tactical strike you need every once in a while, um, because there's such an important emotional component to food, and sometimes that emotional component component far outweighs the actual. Um, uh, physical reality of what's happening with that food in your body. Um, and I, I think we get particularly like in this, in the, in, in the world of health and wellness, we become so it's really easy to get on a pedestal and, and think that you have to do like, I can't eat a single lectin or else I'm going to be in trouble or whatever it might be. Oh, you know, we're like, totally going to talk it, about lectins, yeah, by the way. We'll, we'll jump into that. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, I think it's really important. Sometimes the healthiest thing you can do is eat a fucking donut or a cookie. Yes. Um, preach. But I do think that there there is a point at which you need to also acknowledge that on a on a very physical level that I mean for instance I, I went out and had some dirty tacos on Saturday and they were really really good I was in L A and I met up with a friend and she wanted to get tacos and I was like no I'm fine and then we got there and it was like oh my god Leo's taco truck these are really fucking good tacos and we had yeah. a queue and we had some more wait is a taco generally speaking a bad food do you no, think like would that go into I, the genre of naughty food. It depends on the taco, but for for me, you know, it, it, one corn is not really great for me. I don't do really mm. well with corn. And then there's a lot of chili. There's a lot of spice, and I don't know what the quality of the meat is. That if it's a meat taco, sure, I, you okay. know, like I don't know exactly what's going into it. And I, and sure. I know, and I knew going into this, this is going to taste really good and probably not going to feel great. And sure enough, you know, I was out shitting my guts out all night long. And didn't feel great. <laughs> so, so I should have known. But in the moment, and I, then then I'm stuck with the do I have remorse over having this or am I glad that I got to spend the afternoon with my friend and eat some delicious mm-hmm. tacos? Yes. And in the end, what do I remember? I don't remember, you know, having a stomach ache and feeling terrible. I remember the, the two hour conversation I had with my friend who I hadn't seen in ages and we got to chill out and have a great time and had some delicious tacos. So in, in that sense, I think it's important to recognize that, um, you know, there's, everything is relative and sometimes the medicine is the, is the social aspect. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, it's when, you know, when we get too mired in the idea that I, food anxiety and orthorexia based around having to eat the healthiest thing at all times, 
that can be orthorexia. That yeah. that is the term that means that you have uh, a disordered eating around healthy food. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Or food in general? It's sort yeah. of a fear of foods. Yeah, it's a, a, a fear of food. A fear of uh, what foods will foods do for, do for you, yeah. and eating the healthy foods and all the bad things that can happen from eating unhealthy foods. Right. That's basically what orthorexia is, and I see it a, a lot with my patients, and it's really oftentimes born out of real physical health problems, and foods are sure. causing reactions in people. They are. We have an epidemic rise of health issues and food reactivities and autoimmune conditions, so then it becomes this big, this big feedback loop of stress and anxiety about food because they're worried about what foods will make them feel like, so we have to start to really, to Seamus's point, on an individual level, say, is this worth it? And it may be worth it. You may not have a horrible celiac reaction, and it may just be mm -hmm. a mild, and, and that's okay. Like, stressing about your food isn't mm -hmm. good for your health. But then for some people, they don't have that wiggle room, and they'll be in the hospital if they have a bad food. Mm -hmm. And that obviously is one other end of this inflammatory spectrum that we see so much. And of course, we can just fix it all with some celery juice afterwards anyway. Oh my gosh, <laughs> celery juice is totally going to come up in this conversation oh, too. Uh, I tried that, by the way, how, the celery juice. Um, I shit my brains out for yeah. about 10 days. Yeah, well, you're clearly um, detoxing. It's high fat. Oh, I know. I was like, God, I guess I've just had way too much alcohol in my life. But I was like, no, this is, th I'm pretty sure organs are coming out with that now. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I like to be open and curious. That's really kind of my motto these days, stay open yeah. and curious. So. Uh -huh. Um, and, and I tried, but, and I called one of my best friends, her name is Debbie Kim and she's an acupuncturist and, and, and a genius basically. And I was like, yo, Deb, like I'm drinking 16 ounces of celery juice on an empty tummy every morning. And she's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> because, <laughs> because Instagram 16 told ounces me of to. celery juice, exactly. Because it clears everything and it like sends you to Paris evidently. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, celery juice 16 ounces that's an entire yeah. bunch of celery and yeah. she's like why on earth are you consuming that much celery and I was like I don't know because the medical medium said it was gonna make <laughs> me wonderful and so I did it and yeah. I, I, I do find these fads honestly to be I don't know I'm it, a little terrifying but also I do think it adds to the orthorexia and I don't like these empty promises that all you need to do is juice a bunch of celery on an empty tummy every day and that's going to cure everything that's ever ailed you because there are people out there with serious ailments and chronic struggles mm -hmm. and things that truly are dysfunctional in their lives and and it's like handing them a fake golden ticket you know and yeah. I I'm not saying that I think this guy is just out for himself. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about him, but I just, I find those kind of grandiose statements alarming. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear your thoughts yeah. on that. I mean, that's something I, I, I have this idea that I've talked about quite a bit called transactional medicine or transactional health. And it's the idea that, you know, you do one thing bad, so then you do one thing good. It's sort of like I eat mm -hmm. the pizza, then I get on the elliptical trainer. Uh, this, right. you know, this checks, checks and balances. And a big part of that is the idea that if there's something wrong with me, I go to the doctor, the doctor says, this is what's wrong with you. Here's the pill you take and you've done your part. You go home, you take the pill and that's it. And I think a lot of us fall into this trap now as we've moved with best intentions away from that model of allopathic medicine to having a more holistic approach, but we're still very stuck in the, in the, um, in the patterns. So the idea that, oh, well, I'm, I'm not taking Prilosec, so I'm going to drink celery right. juice. And it becomes like this this sort of su supplanting 
the medicine, the, the conventional medicine for either supplements or some so-called superfood, a term I really fucking hate. Or um, Superfood. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, there are lots of words, phrases I hate that I end up saying all the time, like intentionality and plant-based and superfood. It's you know, so organic. <laughs> I know, you know, but unfortunately, like it, that we, you know, I'm I'm as guilty as everyone else. I'm a snag, uh, but yeah, like that idea yeah. of <laughs> that idea of 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 just trans, transactional health, where you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna take the medicine, but now I'm gonna have this specific food, and we become obsessed over than rather than mm. taking a bird's eye view of of the entirety of our lives and understanding that that. Um, you know, the, 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 the reason that we may be feeling discomfort or we might be ill is, is actually uh, a multitude of factors and, and you can't just expect one thing to shift everything. Yeah, and we're talking about these health fads. I think that, you know, the celery juice, it may work for somebody. And I think that's the bigger picture is that we're all different. This is really the heart of functional mm -hmm. medicine. Just because it worked for somebody may not be, it may not mean it's right for you. And you cannot encapsulate all of bioindividuality in a book or an Instagram post. And I think the problem is that we live in this social media age or it's the Dr. Google and it's Dr. Google is a very conflicted man and you can find anything <laughs> to substantiate your most you know, greatest desires or your worst fears by at the tip of your, you know, uh, tip of a button at the tip of your finger. So I think the bigger picture is for when you talk about celery juice or uh, whatever the fad thing that's out there, it's really, ha like you said, Catherine, having a curiosity and saying, is this going right, to be right for me? But sh shy away from any claim that this is going to cure everything and just have a balanced mm -hmm. context to, hey, this may be a piece of my puzzle, but it probably isn't going to be the entire puzzle for me because right. rarely is there right. a magic bullet that it is in a drink and it's going to solve all my problems. Right. There's no cure all ingredient that you can just incorporate into your life. And the other thing for me, and I mean, tell me, I would be really fascinated if there is maybe one, two, three or any things that you put into your diet regularly that instantaneously make you feel better. Because truth be told, the only things that legitimately make me feel better is when I get enough sleep, when I drink enough water. I actually am a big fan of my essential oils. I feel like if I have my peppermint oil, I instantaneously feel better and it might be placebo, but I do, really do love that. But beyond that, you know, like the, the supplements, the ashwagandha, I'm like, it, that's an adaptogen that has to be in your system for years. It's not like you can have a reishi tea and suddenly be like, I want to get my rocks off, you know? <laughs> well, I guess that would have been a, a not or mm -hmm. maca powder. Sorry, I'm getting my adaptogens mm -hmm. messed up. <laughs> but, you know, and I feel like so many stuff is being sold now as drink this tea and you're going to be horny. It's going to be great. Or mm -hmm. take this pill and you're going to sleep forever. And it'll, and I, I just, mm -hmm. it, I find that maddening. And I don't know if I'm that one individual that just doesn't get affected, but mm -hmm. I don't feel the, that instantaneous relief from stuff. And is there, do you believe in anything that gives you that kind of yeah, I mean, relief? I, I do. I mean, the, I would say Xanax. Um, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe Valium. It's called cocaine. Yeah, exactly. No, I, honestly, um, I, I'm totally with you on it. Like there, there, there are, there are patterns of things when you when you, when for me if I'm if I'm if I have a good day with food and sometimes I have a bad like yesterday I traveled and I had kind of a bad day with food because I knew I was having dinner late and I didn't eat all day long and then I got home, I got to my brother's house and it was like five o'clock and I hadn't eaten all day I was pretty fucking hungry and mm -hmm. and I opened the refrigerator and there's not 
you know, a whole lot to eat. I end up eating, housing some hummus and corn chips, which is not, you know, on the lectin side. This is not on my on the Seamus program at all. And <laughs> and the and the whole time I'm even like, I'm gonna feel like shit. I'm, my brother gets home and he's he's working with Will, and so th- there's a whole list of things that he is not eating, including uh, hummus and corn chips. And we're both talking about <laughs> how we're not eat, gonna eat hummus and corn chips while we're eating hummus and corn chips. And of course, immediately <laughs> afterwards, I start feeling like shit. Um, yeah. And I think historically I wouldn't have felt like shit if I ate that because I would have already felt like shit before eating it, so I wouldn't have noticed. But, um, but you mm-hmm. know, I, I know when I have a good day with food, which is, I would say, 90% of the time, um, you know, like today is a good day with food. Today, I'm, actually, the only thing I've eaten today is that egg you gave me, Will. Yeah. It's 4 It was a fermented turmeric It was a yeah, fermented egg. turmeric egg. Um, <laughs> with a, yeah, seriously, right? Snag alert. <laughs> and it's 4 o'clock, and that's all I've eaten today. And I actually feel, I mean, I'm, I'm hungry as fuck, but I feel good. Um, and, uh, and I know when I do have a meal. Cause you, you haven't know, had any lectins yet. I haven't exactly. <laughs> I haven't had any garbage yet. Um, but there is no, to me there in my diet, there is no one thing that's like, oh, silver bullet. Now I feel great. Uh, it's usually about, you know, the, the entirety of everything. And if it's there, there is rare that I take supplements and I, and I notice a complete difference. I, I will say, I do notice when I take like high dose of L-theanine, I do feel a little bit different. That's like, that's the one supplement where I'm looking to- at. Um, Tell us what that is. L-theanine. Uh, it's a nootropic. Um, it's sort of a what, what would you call it? It's like it's a, a yeah. It's an amino acid. Amino acid. Yeah. So it's oh, okay. It's a calming. Uh, uh, it's activating your parasympathetic resting system in the body. So it's like a cortisol calm kind yeah, of exactly. supplement. And it helps with okay. focus. It really helps with focus. I should have taken some before this podcast because obviously I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I should have snorted. I don't have some. you any other way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think to answer your question, Catherine, I think that there rarely, just seeing patients over the past like decade plus with this stuff, is that rarely is there a magic bullet that solves all problems. And I said that already, but it's really true. I think that it, it has to be a part of a bigger picture of, like you said, are you managing your stress? Where is your sleep? Food is a part of that. Movement is a part of that. But now, because we're all different, what foods work right for your body? And that does require experimentation. That that yes. it just and and oftentimes with these supplements that are out there, sometimes we're not dosing high enough to see the changes. And I see that times too, mm. where it's not that that wouldn't work for you. But it may just have to dose a little bit higher. And I'm not telling advocating people to mega dose or go to dangerous levels on on a supplement. But I'm saying there is some wiggle room to see a therapeutic benefit sometimes that you have to lean into, especially if somebody is deficient in something or has a significant amount of inflammation or gut problems. There may it's gonna take time and sometimes a little bit higher dose. Mm-hmm. And these kind of, when you're trying to figure out what your food sensitivities are, you know, and who you are as an individual and what foods settle with you and, you know, Seamus, you were saying, uh, I guess you're off lectins right now and um, the hummus and the corn chip. And my curiosity has always been with myself, you know, when I cut out things like dairy or gluten or grains or lectin, et cetera, whenever I incorporate them back into my diet, they come back extra hard. You know, it's like a punch to the face when I have dairy, if I haven't had it in a long time. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, and this kind of leads me to what you think about intuitive eating. Do you think you should be fully cutting things like lectins out of your diet, or and, and if you could also define to our listeners what a lectin is, because I'm sure by now people are like, what is that word that people keep <laughs> yeah. saying? Um, you know, d- should you fully cut them out or do you believe in 
you know, occasionally having a little bit of cheese or occasionally having pasta, you know, just so that your system doesn't go into complete shock when you have it back in, assuming you want to, you know, live a, a balanced kind of more intuitive style way of eating. Um, you want to tag team on the lectin question? Yeah, so lectins are proteins found in different foods, like grains and legumes. And in different, all foods. And plant foods, but higher in plant yeah, foods. Plant and foods, grains yeah. and legumes are probably the highest. Um, and some people, and I'll let Seamus answer this on, in his way, some people are more sensitive to lectins than others. There's some people that don't really have any noticeable sensitivity, and there's different endocannabinoid genetic SNPs or single like gene changes that make some people more sensitive than others. People with autoimmunity tend to be a little bit more sensitive, some a lot of sensitive, uh, to lectins or these proteins found in plant foods. So it is, um, at the same time, you know, not to say that a, a, a wheat, like a pizza, is a health food for anybody, but if somebody enjoys that and they're not having a reaction to that, then I think that that's, that could be fine, yeah. a part of a balanced life. And if they also have other, sh if they don't have other shit going on in their life or in their health that, that enables them to be able to handle it. I mean, and just the way that it's easiest for me to think of or explain lectins is to think of it from evolutionary, from an evolutionary standpoint, all, all creatures, great and small, living plants included, um, uh, subscribe to Darwinism, to this desire to propagate, to live long and prosper, and you know, in the words of Dr. Spock. And when, <laughs> when, yeah, when you know, when when like a bear comes along and eats a blueberry bush, an amazing thing happens. The bear swallows and ingests those little seeds from the blueberry, and it walks a couple miles, and then it takes a dump, and it leaves this perfect little place for the next blueberry bush to grow. And so that's a very symbiotic relationship with a plant. Um, you know, a, a uh, uh, poison ivy, for instance, if the bear eats the poison ivy, that's the end of the line for the poison ivy's genes. That's like the end of the poison ivy family. And the it, bear. <laughs> and well, well, so because of that, the, the poison ivy's developed a pretty amazing defense mechanism where it has lots of, you know, it's got these oils in its leaf that, that um, the bear quickly learns uh, it shouldn't be eating this. Um, when it comes to a lot of the other plants like um, legumes, you know, for instance, pulses and legumes, where the seed were actually consuming the the sexual organ of the plant, the reproductive organ of the plant, and and as uh, and because of that, Mother Nature being so smart as she is, she's put a high concentration of these um, inflammatory proteins. Over the past ten thousand years, we humans have thinking that we're smarter than nature have managed to create little hacks to make them more digestible. Whether Is it's that like soaking quinoa before you cook it? Yeah, but even before that, like hybridizing the plants to make them to have lower lectin content. Um, but yeah, I'm all like, what do I do in the kitchen? Tell me yeah, what to do in the kitchen. Yeah, but <laughs> soaking, soaking, soaking beans, for instance, and cooking them in a pressure cooker is one mm -hmm. very simple one. Um, okay, uh, you know, Would you, if, so if I if you guys came over for dinner tonight and I had soaked heirloom beans, Rancho Gordo, mm -hmm. and then I put them in a pressure cooker, would you eat them? I would. Yeah, if you made them for me, absolutely. Because the other part but of that is But would you shit your brains out later, or would you be like, yeah? No. I <laughs> well, I can't, I can't tell you if I'd shit my brains out later. <laughs> it, would, it really would you know, depend upon my Seems to be state. the theme but of the I, podcast. <laughs> but I think this is yeah. the bigger point, is that I would probably tolerate them fine, but Seamus wouldn't. I might not as well, yeah. So Because you two are structurally different when yeah, it comes I mean, to I digesting? Have, I, okay. I have autoimmune issues, and Will doesn't. So the, right. the, we're, we're going to react to things very differently. And that's where, like, I like to think of our body as having a finite number of resources. And if you've got an issue like autoimmunity or celiac or whatever it might be, 
a, a huge chunk of your resources are taken up just addressing that. So when there's something that's triggering inflammatory, whether in my case it's corn or peppers, um, you know, a lot of the nightshades and and uh, and, and lectin-rich foods, then I I know that like those are gonna and, and if I add into it, I'm not haven't slept very well, or if I travel a lot, or I have other stress going on in my life, then I know I'm gonna have an even harder time breaking those down. And there's gonna be an inflammatory response in my body. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I have been vegetarian, pescatarian on and off throughout my entire life. And uh, Kate and I are currently on the no consumption of animals train. Not vegan, but we're not. We're eating vegetarian. Uh-huh. And when, you know, I, I've studied the, the plant paradox and the lectins and mm-hmm. all of the, the commentary around that, which obviously if you're eating a vegan or a vegetarian or plant-based diet... That's a problem yeah. because then you're cutting out a huge amount of plant-based options and, and grains to, to consume in your diet. And then it very quickly becomes so limiting. And, and I feel like I quickly turn into a fear-based consumer of food when it's like that because I've been told, because I'm a consumer of knowledge, I almost feel like it's <laughs> – and I know I'm not talking to the right people when I say this, hmm. but I almost feel like – I don't want to know as much because then I can't, eat, I, I can't cerebrally digest it, and then it affects my actual <clears throat> belly digestion as yeah. well. And and I'm really been trying to lean into this more intuitive eating where yeah, how do you feel? Yes, I, I know. Yeah. I, I for the most part I feel great. You know, I ate pizza last night and had some cheese on it, and my stomach felt like shit this morning. And and I knew that was going to happen, but you know, Seamus, like you said, with the tacos, like I had one of my best friends over. We opened a beautiful French bottle of rosé and we ate pizza, and I had a fantastic night. Um, and it was worth like a minimal pain in the morning. Uh, but you know, I also don't have celiacs. I don't have like some. A major issue that I need to defend against. You know, it's more of a discomfort that I will feel temporarily. And I just, and this might be because I lived in Los Angeles for eight years and I was around so many disordered people, so many disordered people. And my fear when we talk about all these things that ideally you should cut out of your diet and don't eat this and intermittent fasting and, and all these things like, yes, they are proven to help people. What about the personality types that do have a propensity towards disordered eating who will then get used to not eating between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4 or whatever it is, see results, and then that just makes them think, well, when I don't eat food, I feel better. And then it turns into a problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. And I mean, Will, I know you deal with these kind of clients and patients, not clients, patients all the time. And this is my fear, you know, and I try to be really careful when I talk about my recipes and food people because I don't want to encourage neuroses. No, I agree with you. And I think that getting your relationship with food right and the relationship with your body right has to be like back to what I said earlier of my ethos for wellness is you cannot heal a body you hate. And I feel like... Which I love. That has to be right. And sometimes you have to heal your relationship with bo- your body and your relationship with food before you do all the details. And but the- how do you do that? I mean, asking someone to love their body is like asking them to move to space. You right. know what I mean? For, well, for yeah, so many it, people, that's just so impossible for people to wrap their brains around loving and, their bodies. And it's even more difficult when they feel like their body's turning against them. In the Mm -hmm. case of autoimmunity and so much food reactions, they feel like their body is against them. So it's not an easy, like sexy, Instagram friendly answer to this, but it's just going to take it takes time 
And there are different, I would say, therapists and programs out there that, and even working with a qualified functional medicine practitioner, I think could be a component to that to sort of sort out, sometimes keeping it simple is the best thing. Don't worry about the lectins, just worry, start with real food, just work on nourishing your body with good stuff. And then from there, you have to see, is that your level? Are you, is that main, are you maintaining your healthy relationship with food and focusing on good stuff? Then, then maybe that's all that the person needs. But then some people do need to lean into other things. But for some people, leaning to other things can create this sort of disordered orthorexia and these sort mm -hmm. of stress and anxiety about food. So we just have a problem in our society because of the amount of information that's out there that we want to do all the things. And more isn't always better. And sometimes we have to keep it simple and take a step back and really check ourselves with why we're doing what we're doing and is it sustainable for ourselves and not just sustainable with our body, but sustainable with our head and our heart. I think it's also um, important to remember that we don't have to feel great all the time. You know, there's, we, we have, yes, we were very conditioned. that's actually such a good statement. Yeah, you know, no, no, no mud, no lotus. Um, yeah. not trying to, the whole idea that you have to have, you got to have the, you got to have the shit for the flowers. And I think that's really important because we, we have, we, we're really, we've become totally, you know, milk toast pansies in so many ways. Like if it's cold, we turn the heat on. If it's hot, we turn the AC on. Um, I don't know if you remember this, cause you guys are too young to remember this, but I remember <laughs> being the old man uh, in the room. Uh, tell the, us a story, grandpa. Yeah. So Jimmy Carter <laughs> tried to get us all to put a sweater on when things got too cold instead of turning the heat on to conserve energy during the energy crisis in the 1970s. Um, mm -hmm. the decade I was born in. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's something you guys would know nothing about. Um, it's <laughs> true. Uh, but, but like, you know, we, we really are, you know, we're very, very used to adapted to being able to change our environment really quickly rather than, rather than changing ourselves, we sort of try to change our environment. And so, um, and I think that kind of philosophically that there's something really important to a nugget there to think about. But um, when, when it comes to food, we have now this notion, particularly in the world of, of the, the health and wellness world, that we have to always be feeling great all the time. And, oh, you know, I'm having a reaction to this, I'm having a reaction to that. And sometimes that's just information. And it's not good, it's not bad, it's just information. And what you do with that information is what's important. So remembering that, for instance, my tacos, your pizza, whatever it is, the, the, the emotional component of the experience is very positive. The actual reactive component of the, of the experience is quite negative. So next time mm -hmm. you go into it with eyes wide open and you think about, um, you remember that, you try to remember what, and you make, it, you make an educated decision about what you're going to do. And it, it's important that w if we put too much pressure on ourselves to feel great all the time, to always be in the best shape we possibly can, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we're, we're creating um, really unrealistic, uh, a really unre unrealistic barometer for life um, because eventually shit is going to fall. You know, the mm -hmm. wheels are going to fall off the fucking wagon and you're going to be in trouble at some point. That's the reality. Like you can be going through, nobody gets away scot-free. We all have shit to deal with. We all have like shit moments in our life. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and nobody gets off scot-free. So I, I think it's important to remember that, um, you don't have to feel great all the time. Yeah, that, that's a great takeaway. And so as you're both authors of books and will, well, you, will, you'll be plural soon. You have a new book coming out. 
the inflammation spectrum, find your food triggers and reset your system, which launches October 15th. You like that plug? Yes, I do. Thank you so much. Um, Available for pre-order now. Um, (laughs) But the thing about being an author that is so amazing and simultaneously daunting is it is locked in forever. And that information will always be out there with your name attached to it. Mm -hmm. And you know, everything uh, will specifically, you know, your last book was called The Keto, Ketotarian mm-hmm. and based on the keto diet, but more of a, a plant based approach. And, you know, when I'm talking to you on this podcast, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying and and how you really need to find what works for you and and go through the food sensitivities. And, you know, what works for Seamus may not work for you or may not work for me and vice versa. Um, but then, you know, what is it like, and Seamus, I want you to talk to this also, mm-hmm. but, you know, Will, you released a book about the keto diet mm-hmm. and that is very specific and follows yeah. very specific rules. And, you know, and so that leans into like, oh, well, is this the way if you wrote an entire book specifically about the style of eating and, you know, what's to say five to 10 years from now, something else is going to come out that's going to completely change your mind you know, do you ever worry when you release a book? You're like, I don't know if I'm always going to feel this way about yeah. food. That's a good question. And I, it, Ketotarian was really born out of my own health journey and, and it's in my own clinical expertise of seeing what works and what doesn't for a lot of people. And what I did with Ketotarian is I infused it and interwove it with so much of what I just said about this concept of grace-based eating of saying, why are you doing this? Get your head and your heart right, your relationship with food right. All of these concepts that I'm talking about here, I put mm-hmm. in Ketotarian because I was very consciously aware And that's the problem I have with the conventional ketogenic approach of this over-obsession about macros and carb restriction and too much intermittent fasting. I think that it's just, it may have good intentions, but there's no context. There's no nuance. There's no calibration to to the conversation of ketosis and high fat, low carb and all that stuff. So I wanted to bring this sort of love and grace of why we're doing what we're doing and f- not saying, okay, these are the foods that you foods that you can't have with eating a mostly plant-based, ketogenic, ketotarian way, but just shift that perspective to how can I love my body enough to nourish my body with good things? And for me, it was focusing on healthy fats, lots of good vegetables, clean protein, eating until you're full, eating real food, eat until you're satiated. These are the, what I call in the book, ketotarianisms. And I think that if the majority of people that read that, they'll be able to take these principles and then after those, what I advocate in the book is to go eight weeks, mostly plant-based ketogenic diet. From there, they, what do I say? I don't say everybody needs to keep eating this. I say, find your rhythm with food. Find where you mm-hmm. find grace with your meals. And, and we talk about moderating the carbs or cycling into ketosis or doing it seasonally. So I realize we're all created differently. Um, and from after those initial eight weeks of kind of calming inflammation and working on real food and getting sort of the benefits of ketosis, like the anti-inflammatory benefits, from there they can find their rhythm and it's not going to look the same for everybody. Uh, so I wanted to give them a, a, an end game of how can they make this into a sustainable lifestyle because I agree with you, Catherine. I don't think that everybody has to be in ketosis forever and ever. Amen. It's going to be, is this a tool that you can use in your life? And then from there, let's, let's find out what works, uh, from that. I love that. That is the, I mean, and I just have to take a moment to say 
how much I love the two of you. And, and for the listeners, I know both of these men individually. Um, Will has helped me on my health journey. And he, I mean, poor Will. I used to text you at like <laughs> Sunday, 8 a.m. being like, I don't, I, I don't feel, I feel like this and I don't know if I should eat this strip of whatever, blah, 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 blah. And you would always get back to me. You text me randomly asking me how my family, like you were just seriously one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Thank and you. Seamus, you are one of the smartest, most well-spoken, best bear hug giving <laughs> humans that I have ever met. And I, I really do find you two to be the ultimate dynamic snag duo. And it, it is such an honor Thank to you. get to talk to you guys as a professional. We, we right? love it's you. so weird trying to play professional with you right now. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, to wrap things up, because I should probably let you go on your merry way. And Seamus, you need to eat more than that little turmeric egg that you've had. Um, <laughs> fermented, mind you. Yeah. Um, favorite cookies, boys. Favorite cookies. Let it rip. Oh, my goodness. Without a doubt, peanut butter cookies. Oh, that is, that is not a common response. Oh, my God. I could eat peanut butter cookies all day long. Peanut wow. butter with sea salt. Like, do you like a little sprinkle of sea salt on top? Flaky? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sea salt, maybe a little bit of chocolate, but more peanut butter than chocolate. And oh. in true snack fashion, I wouldn't have the wheat. I would just have like a good grain-free almond flour peanut butter cookie. I don't. It tastes to me better than the conventional mm-hmm. kind. Would it, would it be rebellious if they made it with coconut flour? Think of all oh, the yeah. fiber. Live, mm. live in that in that fast lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Mine, mine is so my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother is an amazing cook, and there, there's like so many recipes from my childhood that I love. But one of my favorite things that she used to make all the time for me was, um, and I still actually I still have this recipe in her. I have all of her recipes that she had. She kept her recipes in like a three by five, um, you know, note card recipe box. I love that. Yeah. I think that's so charming I, and I wish it was still a thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I know it's so great. And so I, and there, these three by five cards are great because some of them are handwritten recipes. Most of them are like cutouts from a magazine that she's cut into little pieces. So like edited it down so she could fit it into onto a three by five card and then glued <laughs> them to the three by five card. Then of course, and, and and when I look through all of the dessert recipes, and um, there'll be a note that says she had she was English and say this recipe calls for half a cup of sugar. I put a quarter cup. She always like cut the sugar <laughs> in half. Everything's cutting the sugar in half. Um, but my favorite thing that she used to make when I was a kid, uh, she made these triple ginger snap cookies. So it triple was triple ginger. They were called triple oh. ginger because they had fresh ginger, powdered ginger, and um, candied oh, ginger. Oh, candied ginger. And oh. she'd chop up the candied ginger, ginger and mix it in. Uh, and it was probably from like Good House. Were they chewy or were they crunchy? No, they were, all the they, were, they were both. They were crunchy on the outside and chewy on the inside. Stop it. Stop yes. it. So it was the perfect cookie. Yeah, it wasn't a ginger snap. It was like a like a, like a a crunchy on the outside and then super, super chewy on the inside. And of course, the chopped up candied ginger made it chewier. Oh, my God. Okay. And I have actually, I lied. I have one final question because since Kate's not here, I have to think like Kate for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like to Peloton? Oh, I do. <laughs> I I love Peloton, and I know I'm not I'm not maybe cool like Seamus is like an expert with this kind of stuff. So I'm not like the I'm cool. He's a cool like cycler and does all that stuff. Seamus likes to be out in the world cyclist. on the bike, yeah. like in the real world, yeah. But for us lay people, when it comes to cycling, I it was my <laughs> entry point to this world, and there's like endless classes, endless sort of things to do. I get a great workout in. 
I'm not sponsored by Peloton, but I should be. <laughs> if you're listening, you and Kate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she loves you it too. You can be the most avid. Oh, it's the only thing she talks. She will talk about it every single day. Oh it comes up. Goodness. If we meet someone new, I guarantee you, it's like you know. How do you know who the vegan is? They'll tell you. It's like how do you know who the Peloton fan yeah. is? They'll freaking tell you. Who's That's my wife. her favorite instructor? Um, Does she have one? Oh, um, yes. It's uh, if you name. It's the uh, he's I- a man. Um, uh, give me names. Give I, me I, names. I like Allie Love. Just ask Kate if she likes Allie Love. She's my favorite. She's she's kind of in a fight with Allie Love. Oh honestly. really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen her throwing shade at Allie when she's <laughs> on the bike. So hopefully Allie is an avid fan of free cookies. <laughs> yeah. I think the Peloton. Right, well, I'm gonna wait. I don't get to answer. Oh. I don't get to say oh, what I think well. about Peloton. Actually, you do because you okay. are probably the most legit cyclist I've ever met in my entire life. I th- well, there was a, this amazing New Yorker <laughs> New Yorker cartoon a couple of years ago that I loved. It was um, it was uh, a woman on a pel- on a on a on a stationary bike like a spin bike, and she uh-huh. was she was riding, but she was like in the air and had like blasted through the glass window of a high skyscraper, like she pedaled no so hard that she took off. Um, so I, I think, <laughs> listen, I think spin bikes are fantastic. I think they they make movement really easy though. And I think the Peloton is a Peloton is a great tool and it's a, it's a great class and all that. I do think that part of my, my concern with, um, with, uh, the fitness industry is that we compartmentalize fitness into being like these things we do inside in little blocks of time. So I've done my 45 minutes and now I can move on. What I love about cycling in the real world, whether it's cycling competitively or cycling, um, as on a tour or cycling to commute is that it gets you out in the real world and you really experience independence. And, um, as a small human, when I got on a bicycle, that was the first moment I actually felt one confident and two independent. And it has for me become this really beautiful metaphor for life. Um, in, in the sense that the bicycle is something that requires a tremendous amount of forward motion, inertia and balance. And those are all things that we need to, uh, to continue to progress through life with our, in, in, in our best, um, in our best mode possible. Uh, so we have to kind of always be moving forward and the bicycle is a great, a great little metaphor for that. Well, I think you just won the hearts of everyone except for the creators of Peloton. So, <laughs> no, I love them. I think they're great. Well done. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't like being on a bike. I feel like a hamster in hell. Um, <laughs> all right, I love you guys so much. Thank we you for you coming too. onto the show. Where where can people find you? What's the easiest way to find you both? Um, if you go to uh, at Goopmen, that's the Instagram for the Goopfellas podcast. I recommend it. Oh, it's Goop Men, not Goop Fellas. Yeah, there is a fan page. There's there's a fan page for Goop Fellas. It's not official. They say it's not official. But yeah, just go to Goop Men, Goop Men, uh, plural. And then uh, individually, um, I'm at Seamus Mullen, S E A M U S M U L L E N, all places, um, social media. And I'm at Dr. Will Cole, D R W I L L C O L E N. That's drwillcole.com. And yeah, hashtag Goop Fellas. hashtag all right all right you heard it everybody go get your stocking on all right go into the world get on get outside be observant be on real bikes thank you i love you guys and that was Catherine riding solo with the goop fellas you can follow us on Instagram at free cookies podcast it's true you can email us at free cookies podcast at gmail.com true you can support us on Patreon. You can listen to us on freecookiespodcast.com if you don't have Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yep. And 
We're produced. This show is produced. We're produced by Lindsay Collins. You can listen to her podcast, which is FNB Radio. And you know what, you guys? And okay. Catherine's been looking for the reviews on iTunes, the well, new reviews. And oh, okay. oh, wow. No, I don't think that we have done this in a while. Because we got some new reviews. Stacy Smallwood, who was a guest on our show, has reviewed the reviewed show? our show. Do we think that that qualifies as? An actual review that we should absorb well, considering we independently. Paid for all of these anyway, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> okay, any other reviews? Uh, don't worry, we're getting to the part of the show yes. where we give away ten thousand dollars. Kofro one two three, uh, cash dollar sign, Omi game eighteen thirty six. Kofro, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kofro, hold on. Oh, I think really I know. I think I know. This I think I know who that is. I'm gonna email that person. This is super interesting okay. content. Well, anyway, we are so thankful that you listen to this show. Meg Elizabeth. Got any more? I don't know. It's been a while. But if you could continue to rate, rate and review the show on iTunes, it helps others find there the program. There's a slim chance and that I'll find it. If we ever can get to 10,000 followers on Instagram, then we'll be able to do swipe up content. And we know that's all. It's what a you're bougie really problem. In your life. It's a problem. It's a problem. All right. I bet we should sign off now.